Have you ever wondered why veterans struggle so much getting back into civilian right? Whether or not you are a veteran, Fight by Betsy Ross is a short book series that has an emotional intense story arc to help spread awareness of those struggles veterans face coming out of the force. Check out the series and more of the fight mission at worldwideweb.fightbetsyross.com. Her latest release, Fight 4, is available now. Coming to YouTube is the show Healing Hands. Healing Hands is hosted and presented by Chenille Bostic. In this series, Chenille will be teaching us about massage therapy and techniques and demonstrate those skills she has acquired to the audience. Click on the YouTube link in the description below to be the first to find episodes of Healing Hands. Healing Hands launches September 12th. Good thing. Yeah, no, just hold on a sec here. I'm about to go on the air here, folks. And hold on a sec here. There we go. Hold on a second. I'm trying to reload the player. So you can see me live. Oh, cool. So there's a network error there. Okay, that's crazy strange, but we are officially live. Okay. We are live. So folks are watching this. Are going why are you doing it like this and it's there it goes there we go it is officially live ladies and gentlemen we are on twitch i will be checking it periodically to respond to people my guest is edward davis he came back from more abuse i'm not sure why exactly but he did and how you doing buddy i'm doing good how are you I'm not too bad. I've been working on a video videos all day today. Like I'm, I'm okay. In, I'm in deadline. I'm in deadline. I'm in, I'm in the deadline held this week all week because I got. I'm working on a video for a hockey thing, which I'm going to finish when we're done. I got another video okay. to hand into a client tonight too, and then tomorrow it's proofreading and writing articles for two other clients, and then okay, yeah, and then Wednesday is like. Hopefully, get to work on my novel because now I yeah. gotta get that done. Um, I have to get that done by by uh, September first. That's a oh, actual wow. deadline. So I've, I've, I'm a, things have happened. Yeah, so, sounds like you're chasing a lot of deadlines. So you gotta. I'm a busy man. A all right? Pile of work in front of you. Yes, I do, and I'm trying. I'm also trying to uh, get a little bit more work this month. I'm still recovering from the San Diego excursion a little bit, but yeah. I had another writer's conference as well. So this was like a crazy, just like, I've done all the public stuff I'm going to do for a little while now. Now it's just trying to build money to take over the world kind of stuff. Yes. Okay, keep going to the next phase of, of saving up to go on the road. And cause San Diego for me was kind of like a last minute surprise. Yeah. So, and we got to hang out actually in person. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually gave Ed some advice. Was it useful advice? It, it was. I mean, I haven't right now I'm focusing on the Kickstarter because as soon as San Diego ended, it was yeah, right yeah. into Kickstarter mode. And that's completely oh, yeah. different than kind of what we talked about. And then oh, yeah. I'm going to start doing the actual shows and soliciting the bookstores and things like that. And at that point, I'll take the advice you gave me and try to to market in a different way yeah but for yeah. kickstarter it's an entirely different audience that you market in a oh, completely oh, different way oh absolutely no, no kickstarter is its own monster like it, it mm -hmm. really really is i actually did a kickstarter panel at one words collide in calgary and i pointed out like K 
Kickstarter is not an indie audience. People think it has crossover there, but what it actually is is a collector's audience. Yeah. And and that's why comics do really well on Kickstarter because comics are collectibles at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's why I guess don't put their stuff in bags and boards. And I mean, for me, you're not looking at, oh, well, one day this is going to be worth a lot of money. But what if it is? And it comes with a nice, huge crease in it. And the collectors are going to get really upset when you send their stuff beat up and creased. And that's why I try to really package it well. I treat it like, you know, this is the potential high-end collectible of someday. And do you want me to send it just, you know, haphazardly tossed in an envelope and call that good enough? And I don't, I think a lot of people who sell on Kickstarter, they think, like you said, that they're selling to an indie audience, but they're selling to collectors. They're selling to prospectors. A lot yeah. of these guys are thinking, this could be the next Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime show, and I want a piece of it while it's still in its infancy so I can hold the next, you know, first Ninja Turtles or first yeah. issue of The Boys in my hand. Well, that's just it, right? Because that that's the whole that's the whole of it. I had the first issues of The Boys. <laughs> that is the key word. They've been gone for a while. Unfortunately, a good chunk of my collection... Um, was left behind in Arizona. And oh, okay. I think it boys was one of the ones I think that were victimized. Another one that was, was uh, one of my favorite books was planetary, which I, is oh, yeah. actually worth decent, decent coin on the market as well. Mm -hmm. At some point I'm going to hunt down some modern runs that I'm a real big fan of like Transmetropolitan, yeah. planetary, maybe the boys is, is an okay comic. I wouldn't say it's the greatest comic in the world, but it's an okay comic. Right. Yeah, it's okay. I, I think I bought as far as going to the comic store and buying off the rack. I think I bought like the first two story arcs. I'm like, all right, it's fine. It, it's, you know, Garth Ennis is always someone I'll give a chance to. And he's hit and miss. Sometimes it's brilliant. Sometimes it's, it's okay. It's never terrible. But yeah, I think the boys hit in that point where I'm sure there's story arcs that I didn't read that are incredible. And I love the show. So I'm sure there's, there's pieces I need to get into. But I have those first few and I actually got one of them signed by Garth Ennis. So that was nice. I got my issue one. I, I, I met Garth at Phoenix Comic Con 2015, 2016, something like that. Good guy. Yeah. He's a really good guy. Mm -hmm. he, 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 his war comics are the best things he does. Oh opinion. yeah. Those are, those are always top notch. Yeah. Those are his best stuff because he, he you can tell he really, really uh, believes in duty and honor. And, and you can tell that because of how he portrays them. He takes them seriously. He treats them with a lot of yeah. respect. And and there's a big part of me that thinks he hates superheroes. Just a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think he does. And I think with his war comics, he holds the soldiers in such high esteem. He doesn't go for like that over-the-top shock value that he does in a lot of his regular stuff. Well, yeah, well, well, in, in, well, Preacher, I mean, it was there. He had to have that, like, he, that was an honest look at um, how he viewed things in terms of, yeah. of, of God, religion. So, yeah, he was a bit over the top. But, no, I mean, one of my favorite, like, uh, little stories, he, he, he has fun, too. Some of them he just has fun with. Like, I enjoyed his uh, Jennifer Blood arc. Like, his yeah. Jennifer Blood was actually fun. I'm not going to say it was, like, his greatest writing but it was fun it was fun for what it was yeah. 
and um, he does, like, he can do over the top with a degree of flair, but yeah, sometimes he's hit, sometimes he's missed, and you've got to kind of just accept that, but his war comics are pretty much the best things he does, and yeah. I loved his, I enjoyed uh, Johnny Red from mm-hmm. way back in the day. It actually inspired the novel I'm writing now a little bit, because I oh, okay. realized, um, I had no idea that, um, the ha- how the Russian women were just such badasses in World War II. Yeah. They, they they smashed, and I mean, they legitimately smashed probably better than just about anybody else out there, and I it, it's actually an incredible little piece of history that's like, wow. You know, in, in dark times, there's some amazing things that happen always. Yeah. But, but, but that's me. But yeah, I mean, going back to kind of what we're talking, like your stuff, well, it, it, it's like Kickstarter, you can get, like, stuff gets optioned on Kickstarter. It happens. Right, the audience gets to a certain size, right? The audience gets to a certain uh, piece of the pie. You you make mm-hmm. it, and suddenly people know you're there. And like uh, it happened to Zing Zen, he got he got like option his for his stuff. I mean, so yeah, you want sometimes his early stuff. It might not be there's not a lot of it out there. That's the other thing too. Even the most successful Kickstarters at bo- at most there's a couple thousand copies of this book. Yeah, right. And that's not a lot when you sit there and think about it. Yeah, unless you're Todd McFarlane and you're, you know, selling millions of dollars of Spawn figures. In general, your audience, even the biggest Kickstarter audience, isn't, you know, isn't what even what. No, did 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 did, did we disappear? Did yeah, I... for a second. Yeah. Okay. It, it's the. Uh... My connection is not the best. I think that's why the re- the streamer did not work. Yeah, mine's not the best either. But I don't. It it's it goes good. in. It's all good. It's all good. We'll 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 we'll, we'll muddle through this together somehow. Yes. Some way, buddy. Um, but no, I mean, that's the thing, right? Kickstarter's kind of going on. So this is a mortal era, or is this another series? This is a mortal era. The the next series, I'll definitely be talking to you before because we're already are going to give you another another piece of your pile of work so yes yeah oh no we've already kind of come to an agreement there but yeah absolutely like we can we're, we're like that's next month right so we're yeah that'll agree. be hoping for an october launch because next month will be just fulfilling this issue of immortal era and then the next month launching the new one so what i want to do i got it i got a kickstarter a few weeks ago and they put a little qr code on there that says okay get in the pre-launch for this new book so i'm i think when i send out all of my rewards put that little qr code on there and that way people can start following the new campaign before it gets launched so my goal is probably mid-october for the launch because i want to make sure i don't have any more immortal era that i still need to mail out when I'm launching a new campaign. Yeah, yeah, like, like I, I can understand that. Like, you want to make sure at least the project's well on its way into being fulfilled, and I, and that's fine. Like, it, 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 it works out for me. Ironically <laughs> yeah. enough, it, it works out because, holy shit. Um, I, uh, let, let's see. Do I talk about this on the air? Or, I've, I've mentioned it off the air to a few people. I'll mention it. I'll, like, good things happen at both San Diego and at and at when words um i'll be better prepared next year when i go to san diego comic-con yeah <laughs> Cause it won't be it won't be quite such a last minute preparation to go i'll actually like book my flight like maybe like six months in advance kind of yeah deal. you know 
um, because, you know, once you're there, you're there. And uh, like I said, I already got my first professional badge. So this time around, I'll get my next one. And it'll be like, yay. Yeah. I'm a professional and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was this was my first year with a professional badge and not just an exhibitor one. So that was nice. That feels good when you can cross that line and you're considered a professional actually working in the industry instead of just, you know, on the cusp of getting in there. Oh, dude, you, you've been in there for a while. Like, don't kid yourself. Eight issues of a, of a series. That's an, that's a feat. Like, it's not easy yeah. to put a comic together and you put together nine of them essentially now. Yeah, so there's nine books. That, when I launch Immortal Era 9, that'll be my 10th book. So that one I'm looking at hopefully a December release where it's just kind of quick releases because pretty much this year I had a, a whole game plan and then life decided otherwise. Like, all right, you know what? You think you're going to do that? Here, have two eye surgeries. You think you're going to do that? Oh, here, put your dad in the hospital. So it's yeah, life always finds a way to get in the way and you have to try to still do what you can do for your, you know, especially for this isn't my actual career. I still have to go to the day job and pay the bills. So how do you do what's essentially your hobby career? How do you do that when life just keeps throwing, you know, uppercuts at you and you need to keep your art team fed? Yes, except except I think it's not just a hobby career anymore for you either. You've started to, yeah. you've started to get some traction and some momentum. I mean... You're trying to expand now, right? You got a second series kind of coming up. And yeah. you, you, I mean, I think you're possibly, I mean, you may not be your main, it's not your main source of income for sure. No. But it, it's definitely grown to the point where you can do a second title, which means it's not small anymore. It's, it's almost, I probably during campaign mode, it's, it's a full-time job. It really is. Yeah. Cause I get home from work and it's, you know, working on the campaign, sending out those that need to be sent. So you're definitely right. And I think for me, my mentality is always feeling like you're that outsider, like you, you're the imposter in the room, but you reach a point, you're like, all right, if they're still buying it after eight issues, I'm not the imposter in the room. Well, you just I, I, always I, have that feeling. Well, you, you got to kind of, well, I, ho I hope it changes slightly now. But I mean, even a little after this conversation, because no, you're not a, you're not like you're yeah and i think it, it is changing it, it was for the first few issues that that was the absolute feeling i had but now you talk to people they respect your writing that you know it's it shows that you're more than just you know you haven't infiltrated the room and eventually they're going to figure out that you're fake and boot you out so i've well, kind of no, gotten you, through that mentality yeah you're not you're not fake now now it's like the good things that'll come your way like like Honestly, I think the real challenge in this is um, when good things happen, when they do inevitably happen to you, like, can you roll with those? You're used to bad things. Like, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not wishing like eye surgeries and your dad in the hospital on you, but we, we yeah. almost expect the bumps in the road, right? Yeah. It's, it's when things go well, you're like, what the fuck? Right. It feels more of a, more of a surprise for sure. You're ready. Like, all right. I took this one. What's next? You know, what what's the next major obstacle? And so when it's a good thing, yeah, that's that's what I'm, I don't know at all if I'll know what to do. But you have to kind of look at okay, finally this is a good thing, and you know what I'm. You know, you just hope that you can work with that, and that 
if as long as you keep persevering, eventually those good things will come. But I mean, the bad things, they weren't anything to do with the book. They were completely outside oh. of that realm of my life. Oh, 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 no, I get that. But I'm just saying, like, how do I put this? We're used to getting knocked off the bicycle. Yeah. Right. We're, we're used to it. You're used to falling on our ass. The, the, I think the real challenge when you, when you're talking like purely on a creative point of view, it's staying the course because it's, yes. it's hard. It's hard. Right. And, and however you want to do it, like in your case, like you, you, you like your other career, you still enjoy it. And so yeah. you want to keep it as part of your, my portfolio is not quite the right word, but it's something you want to keep doing. And yeah. Your comics are growing. I'm not, I don't know if they're at like, like they're at the point. Um, they're at least at the point where the, the, where this series is paying for itself because you're doing another series. So you're trying to yeah. expand, you're, you're trying to do that. So if they're at that point, now everything's going to start going into like the green, right? As yes. more and more, so it doesn't matter, right? So that's an inch, that's a good spot. Like you've, you've worked your way to that. So the next part, the next step for you is now you're going to start seeing some money, actual money, um, from your book. And now you're going to yeah. be like, okay, where now, if you're a smart man, right, you're gonna take a moment, you're gonna like, holy shit, I made some money with this. And I might buy my right buy my my wife or kids something with it. It's like, just like, hey, I did it with my creativity. But then you're yeah. gonna come to a point, then you're gonna be like, okay, I want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. What is the best way to invest in this? Yeah. Right? And do you market? Do you make more books? Like obviously what you're doing is you're making another series because you're that which is a, a viable thing. But what's going to inevitably happen is if if it keeps up, I mean, it might grow to a point where you're like, "Oh my gosh, I have a little corner empire in my in, in my back pocket now and it, it, it yeah. it's taken over, man. What am I going to do?" right? And and but I mean, the important thing, I think this is where I'm going coming from is first, you're used to this thing sucking, because again, trying to build something, there's always bumps in the road, real life oh, yeah. or otherwise. But then there comes the point where it's like, good things are happening. You're like, wow, I worked hard at this. I'm getting rewarded for this. Like, oh, shit, what's next? You know, and that's yeah. a and that's I think that's a harder I think it's hard because we're not the thing the, the temptation there is to shoot yourself in the foot yeah. because you're not used to it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like good. It's a good thing. You're like, I don't belong here. And then inevitably, if you're, if you're not careful, you'll sabotage yourself to a point where it's like, Oh, I really didn't belong here. Right. You got to kind yeah. of have a little like a conversation with yourself and go, okay, I'm here. How do I mm -hmm. stay here? I think I I don't know that when you get into it initially, like I um, uh, I mean, I I talked to a comic creator long ago. Like he has a hit. Like one of his books is a legit hit, mm -hmm. and he's kind of scared to follow through with. It. He kind of feels like an imposter, and every time he hears nice things, he feels worse. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, but this is what you came for. This is what you're hoping for, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can see where he comes from because I think I don't know if it's just that's how some people are built. That's the mentality that some people have, and it, I, I think pe there, there's people, and I definitely would fall in this category that don't feel comfortable unless you're you're crawl you're clawing at the walls trying to break through, and then yeah, you and and you do need to take 
the positive. And that's something I have learned to do is when I get a positive review, look at it and say, okay, don't look for the one line of negative that they said, the one piece of criticism and just put that and ingrained it in your head. Look at it as an overall, okay, there's always room for growth, but they, they liked what they saw and they were complimentary. So you have to break that mentality of, okay, let me, let me find and hyper-focus on the one piece of negative so that I can live in that world. You need to live in, okay, let me live in this, this positivity and break away from that mold. And for me, that's always, that's a lifelong struggle. That goes with whatever compliment you could pay me, whether we're talking about the book or regular life, I'm going to search for the negative and, and deflect it away. And it's just a mentality. So when you're talking about that guy, I'm like, all right, I live in his world. I understand it. So can I, I'm going to ask a hard question. What scares you about po the positivity? Honestly, I think we'd probably have to dig into the psychology of like all the way back when growing up, you were kind of, I was just kind of fed the negativity. So it became what you're used to. Okay. And you weren't used to hearing the positivity. So when it comes, you're shocked because you, you grew up with no dose of that in your life. So would, would, could I dare say, this is just a dare, like a dare possibility here, that maybe one of the things you're a little scared of is like, because you're not used to it, like where, where the changes will go. I would say that's definitely true. I have a theory about fear. See, fear of failure, failure and fear of success, I think are, are similar in that they're both mm -hmm. fears of change. One, yeah. like fear of failure is that fear that nothing you do is going to matter. Right. Yeah. And it, it's a powerful fear. I, I, I think, I think we all go through this, especially when we're starting something. It's a real, like, legit thing. But in your case, right, you're 10 issues in. You're yeah. a professional. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say straight up. You're an accomplished professional in this industry, right? And you deserve whatever accolades you get for it, right? And and then that's honest, right? You, you have decent numbers. I mean, anyone can look at your Kickstarter history and say, like, your product is a growing product. And, it, I mean, you're, yeah. you're legitimately looking at I think I can say this without without giving away any too many too many spoilers here. You're legitimately looking at ways to, um, you know, expand what you already have. You see a good thing and you want to keep going with it, especially with yeah. the moral era, which is you know we'll talk about the story stuff in a minute. But in your but I think but again, it's a good thing you have eight issues under your belt. That means you have probably the equivalent of two story arcs or two trades. Depending yeah, we're good. We're moving here. toward the second trade right now. Yeah, so you have two trades. So if I were to meet you on the road, right, and yeah, I'm like, hey, I want to try your book out. You got the single, which you know is you know it might be like you might still keep making number ones until Kingdom Come. Yeah, I'll keep number ones in print for sure. Yeah, but you'll have the trades, and the trades mm -hmm. are gonna like give you access now to bookstores and other places, and you're gonna be like, okay, how can I capitalize on this? And this is just that's business. But it's also like growth. Like you now have a, you have enough material now you can start looking at other places to go with it. And that's a great spot to be in. Like I said, I think you're past the point of this is a hobby. Yeah. Right. Right. It's still a passion. Right. It might be again yeah. and, and right, it's still a passion, more so than maybe a profession, but mm -hmm. it's definitely closer to the professional line. 
Yeah. Right. And you're like, well, what if I do be like, I might have a real hit here. Where does this go? What does this yeah. look like? And that's the fear of success. Mm -hmm. Now you know what it takes to make something work. So now you're like, and let's be honest, like you're going to try, like you're trying a new series. It might not, it, it might not be the same level of success. It might be more successful. It might not be, but you don't yeah. really know. But what you do know is you're expanding and you're growing. And mm -hmm. that's a, that's a legitimate, like, I think like when this, this podcast was not made for an award way back before I did, like I was at like episode 170. So I'm just kidding. This was a long time ago. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like that um, when I got nominated was like, I was like, same thing. Like he was an imposter, but what I reckon, what I came to terms with eventually is I worked really hard for this. Yeah. I deserve, it's okay to enjoy the good things in life. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to put my imposter to, to sleep. Now I'm, I'm the other way. I'm the shameless. I am completely shameless of self-promotion. I have a big ass ego. I would say healthy for the most part. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with the fact that little children can hold my show hostage at will. I mean, there are things that humble me too, but yeah. I, I, what I, what I've learned is I think there's two ways to handle imposter syndrome. One of them is okay. I think they both sides got kind of terms with that. Your imposter is a lying sack of shit. Yeah. Right. It's the, it's the, okay. Accepting that you, when you do things, good things come from it. That's, that's the first thing. But the mm -hmm. second thing is the second thing is, um, okay. How do you deal with your ego? And that's okay. Like, yeah. like how much room do you give your ego? Do you give your ego a, and what I realize is where your ego's good is when you spout your worth. Like if I were to yeah. hire you to write a comic, you have a resume now, mm -hmm. right? you would charge more than I would charge because you have the experience and the track record, right? Yeah. I have some, but not like what you got. Mm -hmm. So what it comes down to there is, okay. Um, so, I mean, that's where ego's healthy, right? It, it, and I think that, I think we all need to have a little bit of that edge and ego and yeah. ha that expectation. I think where it's unhealthy is how we choose to treat other people. Like that's where we got to be careful, right? Because yeah. it's like, well, I, I, I still have to, I still get up in the morning, like in the morning, like everybody else does. I still do my thing. Like I'm trying, like for me, I'm trying to make this a profession more than a yeah. passion. I'm on my way. Like I, the profession makes more than, than it did. Like I've learned how to do these things. Mm -hmm. But even so, I have to keep in mind, like, like it can go away tomorrow, but I have the expectations on myself. And that's the hard part. I'm changing, but to where and what, and I have to, I have to kind of come to terms that I am not the same guy that started this. Does that make yeah. sense? Is that? Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, no matter what, if you continue at it, I mean, and you're, closing in on a thousand episodes, you're going to get better. You're going to grow. You're, you're putting those 10,000 hours in, but you're just doing it at a run. You're just, you, you hit it. You're, you may have had some clunky ones to get there. And I look it back and I can reread through some of my older issues and go like, okay, I would have changed that. Cause you learn as you go, yeah. but you can also look at it and say, okay, this was a good product and 
you know, somehow I managed to sneak it out before I knew what I was doing. Cause I walked in completely blind. I, I knew what a comic book was. I had read a million of them in my time, but actually building and publishing one, you have to learn and take those, those lumps, but see your own growth. Well, yeah. And also like, again, you're, you're a better writer now than when you started, like I, like issue one, like I, I, there was definitely, a, I would definitely probably sense the passion, like, like, you know, that was the sad thing about the, so folks, I actually was going to buy Ed's comic on Sunday. We just never ran into each other again. <laughs> yeah, that was the day, that's the day I bring my daughter. So we were, we were running on her agenda. No, 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 no. I actually, to your credit, you actually told me up front, like, you know what? Wait until tomorrow. See if I, if I run into you, I'll give it to you. But if not, yeah. Right. Not, that was your. Don't want to take your money and have have you get nothing for it. Yeah, exactly. Because I was going to buy an issue of his comic books, and and what ended up happening was I never saw Ed again. And I'm sure like your daughter took took over the con. And you were like, okay, yes, and you did it with a smile on your face, and you're like, eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see these really really cool things and or some not so cool things, and I'm gonna and I but I love her and I'm gonna do it. Yeah. But but I mean. We'll, we'll go on you know we'll talk about like your san diego experience here um it's coming to terms that you're not the same guy that you started it and you're, and you're a great professional comic writer and you're a good one and you have a lot more skills than a lot of people who have done it more to more traditional means because you've had to you've had to learn this industry in a way that's for today which honestly kickstarter is such a huge impact on on comics it's not even I, I can't even put in the words how big comics are with Kickstarter. And yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's a huge part of their, their overall sales. Yeah. It, and it's it, bigger it, and growing and growing. Cause I remember when I launched issue one in 2019, the amount of comics on Kickstarter was a fraction, a small fraction of what it is now. And now you launch and you're, you have a lot of competition. So if I had launched now, it would have been a lot, a lot more daunting of a task to get through all of this to have people notice just my issue one. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm going to be doing a Kickstarter at some point, but I'm going to do something a little different with it. I'm, I'm kind of going into the book slash comic end. Mm -hmm. uh, due to my um, publishing commitments, in the, um, like I'll talk about, I'll tell you off the air. I think I'm just going to tell you off the air. Um, what I initially offered in Patreon, I have to change one of my Patreon uh, awards. I'm going to be doing that. Um, I just made, I just put a little post on that today. Uh, I was offering a novel. I, I can't offer that novel for the foreseeable future. And there's a, there's, there, there are reasons. And that's all I can yeah. say is there are reasons. So okay. I have to replace it. I, I have to, I have to replace it with something else. And um, mm -hmm. I've come up with a pretty good replacement idea. And yeah. what I'm going to be like, what I, I, I want to do like, like a pro, I did my Kickstarter writing debut this year, like that literally just finished. And so did mm -hmm. I my Kickstarter editing debut for comics. So I've done both yeah um this year, which is cool. um But I, I want to do a Kickstarter project next year. It's kind of like everything I've learned plus what yeah. I offer that's kind of different. Mm -hmm. I want, which is obviously the big challenge now with Kickstarter is to stand out. Like, as you say, there's so many good books out there on a monthly basis. Like, yeah. There's a good omens book I really want to bid for right now. And I'm sad yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on it, but I know I will because I'm I'm such a huge Neil Gaiman fan and 
Oh, I, I'm a fan of both Neil and and Colleen Doran. And I love, yeah. I love both. They're they're both amazing. And I'm like, I really want this, but mm-hmm. I'm also broke from San Diego and from yeah. the Calgary Convention. I, I feel I feel you on that. And I've I've had it I've had it where it's like press that pledge button like four or five times it's sitting there i've gone through the whole process and i just haven't hit that final button so i'm right there with you yeah i'm like i want this book but i can't (laughs) afford it and it sucks because i really want this book right that's 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 that that's kind of where i'm at like i'm going to probably let this one go it it hurts because i've always wanted to like i like calling i'm a big fan of colleen's and even neil neil gates see here, here here's the thing I read Neil Gaiman third. If I had read him first or second, he'd be a bigger mm-hmm. spot. So I read Ray Bradbury, which okay. okay. And and I don't I think even if I was interviewing Neil, he would say the same thing, like Bradbury's better than me. Then I read Charles yeah. DeLance, who's a okay. well known urban fantasy author. He's really good. And then I read Neil. Okay. Right? I I think Neil's great. Like I, I don't 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 get me wrong. I think he's a fantastic talent, but he, have you ever had like an, a, a creative that you know is good, but just doesn't do it for you the same oh, way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's Neil for me. Like I just okay. know, like, don't get me wrong. And I say that as I'm reading his Miracle Ram run, which is, which yeah. is like, right, right. That is my Neil Gaiman book right now is that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, what it comes down to is I, I like, I like his stuff, but yeah, I don't love his stuff. Yeah, you're I not enamored him. with him. And I, I can see that because he was what I got first. That was one of the first like yeah. non-superhero comics. In fact, not one of, but that was the first non-superhero comic I ever got introduced to was Sandman. So yeah. I had been reading, you know, all those god-awful runs of Marvel and DC where it's, you know, crossover event after crossover event and holofoil cover and all all the all the gimmicks they tried to get you to do to buy a book. And I was so, I, I was, you know, ready to just hang it up with comics and someone traded me for one of my copies of death of Superman for a Sandman number one. And that just you, got you, me hooked. You won that trade. Wow. Oh yeah. Trade. I, I, I won that one at the time it was lopsided his way. And now that, that book's come back down to earth and the Sandman one. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy no, I made you, that you, deal. You, you, you and that that's not even like a contest now. Like, like it like even back then I would have considered it a win. Like Sandman's run is really really good. Um, yeah. I just like for me like novel wise, prose wise, I read Bradbury mm-hmm. first, then I read Jill Lint. Yeah. Um, comic wise, it was like someone similar to him was James Owen. Yeah. Right. So, like, so I I didn't read Gaiman until later. If I had read him earlier, mm-hmm. I think I like I said, I think he's good, and this is something that yeah. needs to be very clear. Just because I'm not enamored with him doesn't mean I don't appreciate how good he really is. Yeah. It's just he doesn't do it for me the same way. Yeah, and that makes total sense. And I have plenty of authors or musicians, you name it, where everyone tells you, "Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing." And you're just like, you know what? It's just not hitting me the way it hits you. And I'm glad you enjoy it that way, but it's yeah. not, it, it didn't move me. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's it. Like, like, and, and it's okay. Like that's, that is a totally fair way of looking at, um, looking at stuff. Like you, you can't just, um, you can't just, you know, 
it's not not everything's for you. Like and that's something you gotta kind of accept. Um, but does again, that's that's the thing. Like I could like I like for me another prose person that doesn't hit me the same way is Arthur C. Clarke. Two thousand one, okay. right? Good stuff, but meh. Like I it doesn't hit. Now some yeah. things do. Now some things do hit me. Like for example, I, I'm I'm gonna openly confess to this. I have the Taylor Swift problem. Like I openly ah. have, <laughs> right? I don't know how that happened exactly, but I found her work stuff and I really liked it. And now I'm, I'm I I have a problem, and that's just like you know. But I mean, that's the thing. There's stuff for everybody, and yeah. um, like going back to like what we were saying earlier, it's just. That doesn't, yeah, there's, you appreciate like doing stuff like this. You appreciate work, your, your other people putting the work in a lot more yeah. now that you've done it. Like you're like, this is hard to do. Yeah. Much respect. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's absolutely true. Cause I know people that get kind of, they get snarky when they look at it at some indie comics. Oh, well that art's garbage and that writing's garbage. And I'm thinking, put a book out and see if you still rip that book apart the same way. I mean, there is there room for growth. You can look at it and say yes. But when people are just downright terrible to indie indie writers, it, it it hits me a different way now because I know what a struggle it is to get one book sitting at the table. Well, And I, I respect I, anyone who goes through all of that process to get a book out. Hopefully you find someone who's open to constructive criticism because you want to have them have that growth, but the ability to get a book out is so daunting. You know, I give full respect to anyone who actually gets there. Oh, oh I actually, I, I feel this way. Like, like, okay. I, I, that like, this was like me growing up. Like, okay. Remember how terrible the backstreet boys were back in the day. Yeah. Right. And, and by terrible, I mean, folks, like they was very mechanical and formulaic. Yeah, I respect they were, that more now. As they I, were a as corporate a, band. Yeah, but I do oddly respect that more now that I'm older than when mm -hmm. I was younger because I realize it really doesn't matter where they come from. They still put together something, right? Yeah, they still have it. to have skills as singers and, you know, yeah. at least performers. And that's something a lot of people in this world can't do. Yeah, and, and I mean, that, that, that's just the way it goes. Like, like you realize, like, good work good work usually gets gets to a point and this is where i i'm kind of like i've kind of evolved too is like there are people that are going to hate good work and there are yeah. people that are going to love good work right so what i find now is what i despise was art now i don't mind art criticism mm -hmm. but i it's got to be done it's almost never done respectfully it's kind yeah. of like look at look at look at that, right? I can like I when I review comics, like there are comics I don't always think are the best, mm -hmm. right? But I'll look for the but I but again, because I've done a lot of creative work, um I recognize the fact that, you know, this took work to get out. And I'm yeah. never going to miss that mark. Now I might be critical of some parts, like you know, okay, maybe this like yeah. this story bit could be tenser, like you do stuff like that, and that's my inner editor coming out a little bit as well. <laughs> but it's not. I'm never knocking anybody for for putting their work out there. Yeah, same for me. I mean, it's you you look at it through such a different lens when you've actually gone through the struggle to get it there and. 
I remember when we were in New York in the summertime, we saw a guy, he's down in the subway. He's trying to sell his indie comic and I had to go buy him. I'm like, you know what? Just for the respect for the hustle, he's sitting in a over hot shitty ass subway trying to sell his indie comics. And I gotta, I gotta throw him a bone. And even if it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever read, I respect that hustle that, you know, like he's, he loves his product. He's determined he's going to go sit in a hot, humid subway in the middle of the New York summer yeah. because he he loves his work that much. Well, absolutely. Just I just remember the fact that, okay, once upon a time, Jeff Smith, Jeff Smith uh, did the same thing with Bone. And look where yeah. he ended up, right? So Worked I mean, from his own house, and his wife was working as, you know, his manager, and they they did it all with that, you know, that DIY philosophy that, at that point in time, there weren't a lot of indie books that blew up. You have maybe the Ninja Turtles and Bone are the two I can think of. Maybe Cerebus as well from that time that did it yeah. all on their own. They had no help from any publishers. Well, I, I so I'm a big sucker for Distant Soil from Lisa Colleen Duran. Like that was where I discovered her, like that same era of, of mm -hmm. creative. Um, Lisa, I love her work. I think there's something very... She's authentic in a way a lot of others, like there, there's almost a tongue-in-cheek bit of fun in her work. And I, yeah. I enjoy it. It's a wildly imaginative. She can do just about anything, like legitimately anything. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like, but there's a certain like almost down-to-earthness to it. I've real I've always really enjoyed, even with the pretty women. It's like, doesn't matter. She can do she yeah. does it all, right? And she does it with a smile on her face almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's calling was about about smile on my face, but she, there's definitely um, there's an odd bit of playfulness in her work that I really enjoy. So yeah, that that that's why the Good Omens thing makes me so sad. Like it makes me so sad. But oh, sad. I, I got I, I got to get it, and then I'll I'll send it over to you. We'll just have a copy we share around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's like right. when you get on your road trip, like here, and take it and pass it to the next person. Yeah, actually, I might. That's not a bad idea. I might actually. I've done that with a lot of comics. I'm like, I need you to take this. I need you to read it, and when you're done, I need you to promise to give it to someone else and keep moving it down the line. You know, that's actually that'd be kind of a fun thing, a bonus thing to do on my on my road trip is because I get I, I have access. I have a lot of access, so I'm going to be mm -hmm. I'm going to be um, doing my thing, and uh, you know. I could definitely like be the guy transplanting comics across America. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, like drop them in a comic shop and say, Here, "Here's your book," or drop yeah, it to another comic reader and move it down the line on your road trip. Joshua Pentelaresco, Comic Book Courier. I could do that. I like totally. it. Yeah. See, like little 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 business card. What I like me as a super villain. So what was okay? So I'm how much we talk about San Diego a little bit more. So. What was your experience like there? Like, obviously, you were there as a professional, and you're like, but I mean, I mean, did, what did you do there? I spend a lot of time when I'm there networking with different places that might be able to move my book in different directions. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I, I spent time on was a company, Shortbox, that sells CGC books and only CGC books. Mm -hmm. And I talked to them about, all right, I'm a relative unknown on your website, I'm going to be a full unknown. What can we do for me to sell books on your platform, earning you your, your commission, but 
making sure that I can actually sell books. So I spent a lot of time at their table talking about strategies that we can do and we have a plan in place. So a lot of it was like that, finding a company that we could benefit each other where they would do something that could help me and theirs was, okay, we're gonna do a showcase. So if someone logs in to our app, to our website, you're gonna be right there on the top bar. Like brand new creator, check this out. Even though I've been creating since 2019, on a platform like that, I, I'm brand new. So talking with people that we're trying to find ways to bring my book into different places because the Kickstarter market is pretty much, I have who I have for that. I might get a few more each time, but it's more giving the audience who's been buying the book what they want. But how do I expand beyond that? Because I feel like with the Kickstarter, I've kind of hit a point where the people who are going to back are going to back, but bringing in the new faces is more difficult. When I talked with you, we talked about some strategies that I can use when I'm selling the book out in the wild again, not selling to that Kickstarter market. And one of them is that prospector market. Even having my, you know, all of my books graded puts me in a different place than a lot of the people you see in small press. Yeah. A lot of them don't take the time to get their books graded, go to CGC, go to CBCS and get yourself that professional account there. So now you can certify your own signature. You can do, you can run a comic signing at a comic shop and send in stuff for grading because people like that. So that was one of the things I did. I talked to a few cover artists that work for different big companies, talked to them about potentially doing covers for my book, seeing what, what the costs would be and things like that. So I do a lot of just kind of, I went to some panels just for the fun of it, but a lot of what I did was hitting things trying to see what could build growth in the book. Some of them I found, okay, they're not telling me anything I don't already know. Yeah, and some know. of them, like, even if you get a tiny nugget of wisdom, that's something I didn't have before I walked in. Yeah, and, and this goes back to like, so I wanted to talk about, all right, that was the person that came actually when we were talking, actually, you're like, I didn't get anything out of that. And I'm like, Ed, it wasn't for you. <laughs> like that, yeah. talk, that talk wasn't for you. That talk was for... Um, you should have been the guy giving that talk. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I could, and looking at that panel, I could definitely have given the same, the same insight that they were giving. That, that panel was what the 2019 me should have went to. Yeah. Because at that point, I had just printed the book. I printed it and brought some to there and actually got to get them graded but I hadn't launched my Kickstarter yet. I didn't know. I launched my Kickstarter the day I announced it. I didn't try to get followers or anything. I just said, oh. that, all right, Kickstarter is what people do. Here, go. I didn't know any other creators on Facebook. I, I knew absolutely nothing. So had I gone to a panel like that in 2019, I would have walked out with a full notebook full of things that I needed to know and things that I needed to do. And instead I went in blind and dumb and somehow miraculously got funded by sheer dumb luck and family pity, I think. Well, yeah. Okay. You and your imposter have a little chat. It happened. To, like, okay. You made all the mistakes, but it worked. That's all that really yeah. matters at the end of the day is that it worked. Mm -hmm. Oh, eh. Right. I don't judge. And I think, I think we're at a point in our lives where we can't really judge people for how, how they do it. The important thing is that they did it right. And yeah. 
you did it and that's all that matters i th i think um yeah like you're at that point now where you're looking at okay how do i scale and that's yeah. and that and that and that's the thing right kickstarter will grow continue to grow for you but it's going to grow at the curve it's going to grow because it has it's it has a niche right mm -hmm. you have a prospect i mean I mean, at that point, I mean, you should be going to people like Brian Polito, Russell Nolte, yeah. going, hey, listen, this is where I'm at. How do I take over the world? And uh, speaking of that, I went to I went to Brian Polito at the con and talked with him for a little while, shared a story that we were there was an indie comic creator award thing. And I got second place to him and lost by like five votes. So I started it with just kind of a little story and then I told him, like, all right, what do I do? How do I? build and he he walked in with a known commodity with lady death but it's like okay what are some growth things and he actually had a panel and i went to that one and gained a little more insight but yeah i went over to his table and talked with him for a little bit i've talked with russell a lot he's been my neighbor at at um a yeah. con or two so he's someone i've talked to i bought his book did some of his seminars because i look at him and he's shown that growth where every campaign it gets a little bit better than the one before it, even yep. though he's getting big numbers, he always gets slightly bigger. So those, those two creators you named, it's funny. One of them was one I sought out when we were in San Diego. And then the other one I've, I've talked to and have, oh, yeah. have kind of tried to pick his brain when, when we have those slow moments at a, in our row. Yeah. yeah well, it wasn't slow this year. That was the one thing about San Diego. No, there was no slow year. moments this year. This was one of those years. I really wish I had got a table because everyone I talked to sold out everything they brought. So it's one of those ones where it's like, oof, that was a missed opportunity because I don't think you can ever bring it back what it was because once they bring the Hollywood presence back, all those people that had to go to the floor for lack of any other alternative, they're going to be back in Hall H and they're not going to spend a minute on that floor. So the traffic will never be like that. I don't know about that. See, here's here's the interesting thing. Like, as far as a Hollywood strike goes, will Hollywood be back next year? Like, if True. you're the San Diego Comic Con, okay, all things considered, right? Your vendors are happy. The house mm -hmm. is packed. Yeah. Right. Like, folks, we cannot even put into words how busy that whole con was. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. I've never seen foot traffic like that. Yeah, like I, I, I cannot do just like you couldn't stop. It takes about it took me to go from one end of that hall to the other about 40 minutes. That yeah. was partially walking speed. Mm -hmm. so there were moments you can't um, you couldn't go fast. But part yeah. of that was just it's a big ass hall. Like I, it's huge. I, 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 I I showed, uh, I came back and I showed uh, a gen one of the guys, uh, I work at the uh, hockey arena here, like the, the NHL hockey arena. I showed mm -hmm. one of the guys, like I showed him a picture, one of the few pictures I took during the con. And he goes, look at that aisle. Like you, like, like just really look at that picture and how big that show was. Crazy, like just yeah. absolutely crazy. And it was like, I didn't have a table. I don't have, like, I have product. I got to make physical products, some more physical yeah. products, some of my books. But no, man, like, you would, like, I looked at that. It was just like, even if Hall H, I think Hall H will be back next year. But I yeah. don't know if it's going to be the same. Um, yeah. If I was, if I was, 
the con. San Diego Comic Con is such a phenomenon at this point that I don't. You to gut that con, you'd have to literally take out everything. I mean everything mm-hmm. to, to 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 shut it down because um, the video game con like panels were huge. The, the presence of the yeah. video game con is huge. Bits the 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 manga like the anime sections in there were giant like i i couldn't believe it uh the publishers that were there had like these giant booths for the most part except for ironically enough dc had a tiny dc and marvel did not have like as big of a i thought they'd be bigger yeah Uh, their their presence wasn't huge this year they've had bigger in the past yeah it it was weird because i i think if i was san diego comic-con i still would have a hall h but I think yeah. I would I would like knock it down a little bit, like mm-hmm. make it make one day really busy for it. But the other but the other rest of them maybe just one premiere a day kind of thing. Make yeah. it special because mm-hmm. because I think that's what it should be. I think from what everyone told me in the past, what would happen is if there was a big premiere happening, everybody would go to those premieres. They come back. They fly. It would be waves waves of people. Waves yeah. of, instead of instead of um, just a steady onslaught, what it was that year. I was actually told you shouldn't go this year. I'm like, yeah, I'm going. I, yeah, I, I'm. I got an invite. I got a pro badge. Um, I'm I'm going to this because I know I kind of know what to expect. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like next year, it's 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 going to be i i'm, I'm definitely going back I like planning going back i really said i got my product first pro badge pretty sure i can get my second one oh yeah right? and uh i'll i'll be i'll be going i'll be watching uh maybe my goal will be at some point to get a table there next year oh well, maybe not next yeah. year but the year after from what i told mm-hmm. from what i'm told san diego it takes about two three years to get get your yeah you got to get on you got to get on their wait list and maybe do a couple. I mean, if you do enough of their cons, I could have probably squeezed in because I'd done WonderCon. I did the special edition, and they kind of love the people that did special edition because that one was a completely different thing. Like our row, there were four empty tables. They couldn't sell the place out, but the reception was just phenomenal. I mean, I I did sell books out. I had to have my wife drive more books down. It was such a strong reception, but the foot traffic was probably a third of what we saw at this. And yet the, the people's so willingness insane. to try something new was, I've never seen anything like it. Well, no, even, even, even a third. Holy shit. Like, Oh yeah. It was still crowded. Just not on the level of like, it, it, there were certain points, like you said, you couldn't keep walking. You just ran into a wall of humanity. Yeah, and you're and you're oddly still moving. That's the weird thing, folks. You still have to move. Yeah, they're just <laughs> the wave keeps moving. Yeah, and you just got to go with it. And it's such a it's such a strange thing. The only thing I don't like about San Diego Compound is you can't escape the food. You cannot escape the food prices there. No, they're they're they are what they are. You're not getting anything better with that. Well, the thing is, I had Canadian money. That was the okay. Thing. Yeah, right. So. We're all laughing, but for different reasons. They're laughing yeah. slightly out of pity. I'm laughing mm-hmm. slightly out of despair. Perspective, right? Yeah, you're the perspective. But um, 
But yeah, because like seventeen dollars, just give me like a, like seventeen dollars for a hot dog, folks. That's what you're paying to be able to take, right? Yeah. In Canadian, that's twenty five bucks. Mm. Right. Yikes. Yeah. I cried a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I cried a little bit. <laughs> but there's nowhere to go. Like there's like that's the thing. Like that that's the only downside to convention, folks. Is yeah, your your food. You like 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 you gotta if you're going to go. Go elsewhere to eat if you can. Yeah. Before the show, before the show, if you can, go elsewhere a decent distance away. I'm not talking downtown San Diego. No, nope, then I'm it's talking, just as bad. Yeah, just on the outskirts. On the outskirts. Mm-hmm. I understand the prices come down when the con's done. It's like those that you best. Oh, they so. do. I, I go there. I'll go there for baseball games and things like that down to San Diego, and the prices look different when it's not actual Comic-Con time, when they know they got to feed all these people. Or at a baseball game, they want you to get in there because there's plenty of restaurants to choose from and they need to make sure that you go their direction. So prices take a nice downward downward fall. But I generally will hit the grocery store and grab some of those grocery store sandwiches and snacks like that. Because yeah, yeah. the, the quality is about the same as what you're going to get inside the con. But yeah. the price is so much less. Yeah, no, I, it was that was the big learning experience for me on the on the cons is the tricks to survive, right? The tri- mm-hmm. like, I was coming from Pacific Beach in the morning, so I get a free, I get my meal in the morning, but you get hungry walking the, the that con is just oh yeah. And by the way, folks, we're just talking about the convention floor. We haven't talked about panels or anything like yeah. that. Like to put the scope of this con in perspective is is wow. Yeah, it's still the the one time I did actually have a table is still and will probably remain for a long time the best sales I've ever had because it's just, I mean, people say it's all about Hollywood now, but there are a lot of people that will still go to that con specifically to find new things to read because they're oh, yeah. passionate about comic books and they're tired of mainstream and they want to see what what exists in small press. They go in small press and they they have a certain amount of money to spend and you they're they're potentially yours if you can give them the right pitch yes well exactly and i mean and and thing is like folks there's like 100 like 50 160,000 people in there a day like at, at any one time you you you're 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 going to find somebody that will buy your book unless you suck yeah. <laughs> right unless you suck but all of which to say that, you know, it was a great con. I I was really happy. Like one of the reasons, so one of the reasons I, I was happy is I got to meet a whole bunch of you I've interviewed from a distance in person. Yeah. Right? We actually got to hang for a little bit, which was kind of, which was kind of cool. Um, so let, let's ask, like, what was, obviously you, you went to, your goal was to network and be a professional, kind of take a step back and reevaluate some things, right? Yeah. But besides that, like, what was the most fun thing you did at the con? I don't know. I mean, for me, I just love walking that floor. And, and I know so many of the creators now because I've worked multiple cons with them. And it feels like it's catching up with a lot of old friends. Mm-hmm. So I spend a huge chunk of my time not looking at, you know, the Mattel booth and all of the places where people are looking to pay their next mortgage. I look at it like I'm going to go to small press and I'm going to hang out with a bunch of good, good people and good friends. So one of the best times I have is just, all right, 
I'm going to spend the next three hours just hanging out in small press and catching up with so many people that I might only see once or twice a year. So that's always my highlight. Yeah. So my, my highlight was committed comics. It's like uh, Alex. So he has a sign. He always shows it's okay to make eye contact and seeing like this half dance. Right. So first yeah. time I meet him, I know who he was at first. So the first time I met him, I was like, dude, you got to go all in on the dance. You just got to go all in. Yeah, because you're already halfway there. You got you you got to commit. So for the next three days afterwards, I would try to sneak up on him and perform a dance move. Right? Mm, that's right. You were telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The can can was one. He saw me the second day, but every time I just made him laugh, right? Because it was just we're having fun. Like we're just doing two grown yeah. men having fun at a con. Mm-hmm. And, and and the third and the third day. Um, I snuck up and did like the little Russian dance. He sees me come out of nowhere and just breaks. He's like, that's impressive. You can do that. He goes, I can't, you can do that still. It's like, oh yeah, hell yeah. I, I, I still, I still got the, I still got the moves. Yes. But, uh, no, it, it was, it was so cool. I got to meet so many people. I'm trying to get contacting them now because I'm wrapping in a month from now, the Twitch air is done, like fully yeah. done. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm going to still like, I've kind of made the decision of I'm going to keep this somewhat like I'll still do an odd podcast here and there on, on this mm-hmm. channel, but it's not going to be the same thing. I'm not going to be, it'll be like some, the odd drink and draw some people left over, like the odd, like what I would call special interview kind of thing. Yeah. Right. That nothing, nothing regular. And then the rest of the time I might turn this into a giant game channel. And that could right. be fun. Yeah. For, I, for... I think you could do something really fun with your road trip. Just Oh, absolutely. But that's I'm already I've already started that. That's on my Patreon. Okay. So, nice. So yeah, I'm, it's on my Patreon right now. So I'll, like the, the long and short of it is like five bucks a month and you get all the shows of me starting here in Calgary. But yeah, like my San Diego content starts next week. Like it, okay. it really starts next week. and they're like Brian Polito is going to firstcomicsnews.com. I did an interview with him, but okay. everything else that everything else that's there, I go through a little bit of an edit, edit, and and I, I start doing that. And so next week, it's like there'll be <laughs> there's a tier. It's going to be the San Diego tier. It's like yeah. all the stuff I got at San Diego Comic Con. Here you go. Um, like every show I do, I have like uh, I just did also like it's a writers conference here. I only <laughs> did one interview there, but I did an interview with a guy by the name of Mark Leslie, who's a writer. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just doing these kind of conversations on the road, I, mm-hmm. I that's the direction I want to go with the show going forward. Yeah. Because it's way more fun. I, oh, I'm sure. I, yeah, it's way more fun to do those kind of con- – like, I do not mind Twitch, but at the same time, I've been doing – this is episode 545 on Twitch. Wow. Right? Yeah, right? I've done a lot of Twitch. I, I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm. I don't want to be on the screen as much, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I better be in person. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be on the road proper till spring, I think. But when I am, at, like, I'm going on the road, and when I, or it may not even be spring. Who knows? But basically, when I'm ready to go, I'm going to go, and yeah. I'm going, I'm going to make something happen. Oh, that sounds that that sounds like fun. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. And when you make your California stop, get, getting you some proper ice cream out this way. Oh no no, we we, we already got a plan. So folks, to 
I, I, like, uh, on a personal note, I love San Diego. I hate LA. Like, <laughs> but I also realize, I also realize that a lot of people make their living out like there. So I'm yeah. going all through California. Like it, California is either my second or third stop. Okay, it's my second or third. I I might be going through Washington first. There's a couple people there that, but might skip. California is one of the prettiest states I've ever seen. Like, it, yeah. it, like it's big. Like, but I think people forget just how, like, every every um every environment's in California, pretty much. Yeah, you can see it all. You can see some beach, some mountain, some desert. It's all here. Nice forests. Yeah, it's all there. So, yep. I mean, California will be a, definitely a very cool part of the trip. And then after that, I go to Arizona. And then after mm -hmm. that, I go to Colorado. And then after that, we'll see. Like, it will, yeah. it'll, it'll all depend on, on, but basically, I'm going to be doing, like, the, um, I'm going to be doing a van life thing for at least a year. And we'll see if it goes longer or see if it goes shorter. Yeah. But basically, um, yeah, no, when I get out, when I'm on the road, dude, I'm definitely going to stop by. We'll do proper ice cream. We'll hang out and we'll do more stuff again, you know. And yeah. that'll be that'll be the whole uh, point, man. It's fun. So, but, but that all said, um, good sir. So how long is this campaign going on till? This one we have about, I think it's 19 more days. Okay. I think it'll be 19 days at probably right about now because I launched it right around this time. So yeah, it's got about 19 days left. It's last I looked, it's about 270 away from funding. So it's really close. Yeah, so it's it's almost there. And then it's just hopefully unlocking the stretch goals and things like that. Cause I'm one of those people that if once we fund, I love to give back to the people. And sure. you know, when you open your your bundle, you're not just gonna get a book, you're gonna get stickers and magnets and things like that. Because if we've overfunded, then let the let the buyer get the rewards for that. And there's certain campaigns that I've backed and oh my gosh, you're bag of stretch goal stuff is just oh, yeah. so huge and i love getting something like that i mean i can't hit that level but these guys are the ones pulling 20 30,000 but the worst is when you see a $30,000 campaign and the the there's a book with no bag and board tossed in a a cheap mailer and you're like okay you made 20 grand you can at least afford to get some of those you know at least some good oh, mailers oh sure well 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 I mean, there's good customer service too, right? Yeah. Um, right. There's there is such a thing as good customer service, and uh, like that's the other thing about Kickstarter, why it's maybe a, maybe a little different than say an indie book. I'm not saying that indie book indie people mistreat the books either, but there's, I mean, you are getting people to pledge whatever you're going to get them to pledge to support your work, right? Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, you're almost there. I'm just looking at your project right now. I'm gonna, I'm okay. going to do you a solid here. So, the only problem with Zoom, this is the, this is this is the only problem with Zoom is you don't have the ability to. Um, um, you can't I'm share to, screen stuff. Yeah, you don't get the, you don't get to share it the same way. I'm I'm hoping. Hold on a second here. No, it's like I'm gonna hit a button here, kind of see where we're at. Right. And like, yeah, it's just like it, it goes off on a uh, tangent here. Hold on a second here. Yeah. 
goes off and does its thing. And what it's doing is, you know, it it's trying to it's trying to allow for certain haunts. I can hear. Yep, we're we're on. I'm trying I'm trying to get us and and trying to get us to do whatever it is we're doing here. But it, it it's like, yeah, trying to trying to uh, get it to stick. Shall we shall we say? But yeah, I can't I can't do that. So trying to put a comment in here and I, I don't I don't know if I can actually do that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Zoom. We use when I had to teach online, we use Teams. So I learned how to, to function through that and share things, but even oh, that yeah, was I, was not a good interface. No, it it's not. I just put it I just put it up I just put it up on the chat there for, for folks to it's been pinned and it's been pinned there so that people can see it and when they do come in to see it they can see it and that was the whole goal but yeah zoom and kickstarter do not get along like not no. zoom and twitch do not get twitch do not get along well at all but uh going, going with it like yeah you you come a long way it's it's the little things that go a long way like one of the things i i realized as a streamer i'm watching some of the more successful streams out there this is going to sound very um simplistic but customer service goes an incredible long way people oh, yeah. remember people remember when you deliver a good book or not mm -hmm. and i've heard i've heard good comments because i know that there's a big debate among the creators like do the backers even care about the stretch goals when you throw the stickers and magnets and things do they actually care and i've yeah. i've heard enough positive comments saying oh yeah i have your magnets on my fridge and you know i have all of them because I've backed you since the beginning and little comments like that say, okay, they do appreciate them. Maybe they're not going to send you an email to say, Hey, those magnets are so great. But when they say, Oh yeah, you know, I keep them on my dishwasher. I keep them on my refrigerator. It shows that they do care about it. And for me, one thing I do that's getting harder and harder as, as I get more backers is I like to write a personal thank you card to every single backer. Mm -hmm. If they back physical, I actually buy thank you cards. I put them in there. And I don't know most of the people personally, so they're there. I don't know too much to say, but more just a thank you. Oh, yeah. You're appreciated. Without you, this doesn't exist. And people have said, oh, yeah, I always look forward to my thank you card. And, oh, you, oh, yeah. you know, you probably don't send those to everyone, but I do. Every single person gets them. And I like to make every backer feel like they're the most important person in the world, because to me, they are. Without them, I don't exist. Without them. I'm just a guy doodling in a notebook still. But that's but that's the whole thing, right? It is um, there? I'm just looking, I'm looking through now. Now I now I'm on the right place. I can actually look and see see who's streaming and who's not with with the with the show. So if there's comments, I'll definitely answer them. Um, but the thing is, no, this is an experience. Like you you are sharing your project to the world in a way that's unique. So you should be you should be how do I put this? You should be treating them as like a big thank you and that the thank you card. Yeah. I bet you the thank you cards are kept, right? I would more often than not they're kept from from the like I like I'll give you an example. I back Naira the Naira X like mm -hmm. stuff from Bill most of the time, and Bill Moss. I didn't do it last time because again I had this little thing called going to San Diego, so I didn't do it. Yeah, but I mean by and large I back his stuff. I back uh, Rob Matori, someone else I usually tend to try to back, and. I, I've experimented with a few other like Kirk Zauer and I and I, I I do this. But the thing is, right, what I what I remember about all of them, right, is the service I get mm -hmm. and the 
the impression like I'm going to back a Russell Nolte project again because yeah. he was so good that like his honestly it's been timing if it, like but I'm always interested in what he's doing just because I remember what he gave me the first time it was so good that it was like yeah I remember that um there are creators unfortunately that never give fulfilled their kickstarters I've been part oh, yeah. of that I've been part of that as well late's forgivable but like never, never showing up yeah I, I I've probably had about five or six that just never show up and then eventually the updates just disappear and the they're gone they don't exist so anymore I, I'm gonna tell you a really funny story so for my Alice book I was looking for an artist for like an Alice in Wonderland kind of thing mm-hmm. so one of the guys I backed a Kickstarter for it I mean, I mean, I knew they were going through a hard time. That was as far yeah. as they told me. And that was it. But I put about 50 American at the, at the time into yeah. their project. And I never got a thing for it. Yeah. Years later, I'm looking for an artist for this book. They come to offer me their services to me. I yeah. did not know what to do about that. It was mm. like, wow. I, I see. I, I see your commitment, and I don't need a piece of that. No, that's pretty much it. Like, like people forget. Like, they're gonna look at your. Like, I'm gonna look at what you've done. What you've done for me personally, yeah. and going above and beyond on a Kickstarter is really good. Like, even like, okay, I just I start, I sold some of my comics on eBay. Not a ton of them, but I sold mm-hmm. I sold a, a few of them. Yeah. I made sure I went a little above and beyond with the, with the care of the books. Now, again, mm-hmm. shipping being shipping, it was like, oh, I'm not going to do that, like what, quite what I did there. Yeah. But I made sure that both of them got the, got the stuff. Both of them mm-hmm. did. One of them gave me a really nice review. He's, yeah. he went, I went above and beyond because you need to, especially with that kind of – you're in the customer service. Like the big part of this is customer service, whether people realize yeah. it or not. They're going to remember what you gave them. And yeah. they're going to remember and they're going to remember like how you treat them. So mm-hmm. if you just give a book now, I don't always need uh, this is where the only thing I will say, I don't always need a sticker. I don't always need a button. I don't always need yeah. they're cool, but I, that's not what I really want what I care about. What I care about is um did you show appreciation in the product? Because if you showed me yeah. that, I, I'll I'll come back, right? Mm-hmm. So I came back for Bill. Bill Bill sent me um they sent me the baseball card collection from Naira with all the artists in the back, which was really cool. Oh, cool. Like something cool like that, right? It mm-hmm. fits it fit the it fit the book, right? The thank you card. Like that would be like honestly, that would be plenty, like for me. That that would be like, oh wow, they went above and beyond. Yeah. It's it's not you don't again and, and folks, the whole point is it's not big things that matter. It's the little things. It's the stuff that um it's the stuff that people remember, right? Because yeah. that's what they're going to remember. They're going to, more than the book, they're going to remember how you made them feel. And that always needs to be in the back of your head. Yeah, I agree. And that's why when I started, I thought, all right, if, if I get 10 backers or if I get 100, I'm going to write a card to every single one of them. And there was one time I think I had to write about 150 thank you cards. And I thought, this is this is the best problem to ever have like i gotta write so many thank you cards my hands hurt but guess what this is beautiful because 
I could have had to only write a few and my hand would have felt fine. So the fact that, oh, wow, my hand is hurting after this and my writing is not the neatest. So I apologize to anyone who gets one of my thank you cards. <laughs> like, what the hell is this guy saying? Now you see why I learned how to type because it's bad. So good. My handwriting is actually considered good now. That's terrible because my handwriting is absolutely the drizzling shits. But I mean, it runs by me. <laughs> yeah. Now it's good. Who knew? Who knew? Um, but no, like, dude, that, that's what people are going to remember. They're going to remember two things. The quality of the work you gave them. Yeah. And the experience you provided them. That's mm -hmm. it. Like, that is, like, the business, like, for lack of a better term, it's the business of art, right? Yeah. Did you make them feel what they expected you to make them feel? Or did you go yeah. even above and beyond? If you did that, dude, you won. And I think that's the experience that gets people going to Kickstarter as opposed to a lot of the other places they can get a book is because so many creators put that personal touch in there. And if you go to buy a comic from a comic shop, you're not going to get a low, you're not going to get a thank you from the creators because they're just mass shipping them. You're not going to get a sticker or anything. So the fact that you can get these amazing perks and still get a book that you love makes it so people come back for more and more. That's why you look, when you see people that back your campaign and they've backed thousands, it's like they love that Kickstarter. And I would guess most of them aren't walking into their local comic shop and spending that same kind of money. Oh, no, no, no. Like, like I mean, Kickstarter has definitely hit comic shops in a weird way. Like for me, I don't have a, I, I have a bigger pull list than I expected to right now. Mm -hmm. But it's shrinking because like those mini series are running out. Like, so- yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is 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 my Batman book. Like it, it's yeah. my it's my problem. It's like they when it explodes, it explodes. Yeah, but you move past that. Like you legitimately move past that for a minute. Like I don't collect anywhere close to the same amount of books I did in the past, and I'm yeah. not going to because I like doing Kickstarters. I know yeah. I don't do a ton of them a year, but I'm doing enough that people notice yeah. i mean my name has been in a few of them uh, i'm now a creator in a bunch of them too which is something i never thought i'd i again and that's the other thing too kickstarter is a great way to break into the comic industry yeah right because that's 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 where i started i mean it was starting on that kickstarter even if i walked in and knew nothing it was the it was my my way in the door and, and, and now, you did, now you have 10 books to your name. So now you can go to a publisher and go, you know, hey, I've done these cool things. What yeah. Do you, right? I think I could do this cool thing for you. Mm -hmm. You know? And also now, now you have an audience. You have numbers to back you up. Yeah. Which you do. Like, you have, that's the other thing about Kickstarter. You have a very, very interesting um, position in that um, people know. Like, you currently have... You're almost at 100 backers, 19 days Okay. Ago, right? Uh, I'm looking at this in Canadian money, which, is, okay. which makes it look even bigger than what it, what it yeah. is. But, <laughs> but you have 96 backers, and they've, they've nearly put in four grand. So okay. You're probably, now, based on what you've told me, you're probably going to be closer to eight grand Canadian, nine grand Canadian when it's all said and done. Yes. Which, you know, that's, that's really good. That's yeah. that's a number you can look at with a comic book company now and go, well, what can you give me for this property? Because I already got this. Yeah, right? I have a I have a built-in audience. It may not be huge, but it exists. 
Exactly. Exactly. So that's the whole thing. Right. And and that's 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 the thing. Like there's there's a real number now I can put put down. So yeah. Right, which is just um ooh. Like I wish I had money yet. I I I I I, I oh that's not oh dang it. <laughs> if I had a little bit more money I would I do that. I I, I understand and I'll get my book in your hand one day. This is the easy way where you don't have to pay for sh shipping to Canada. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And also I'll actually have real American money because I'll have more American clients. True. <laughs> so, so we're not laughing at the same like level of absurd. No, but it's a good campaign and you've got a backing and you've got a history. And yes, folks, I was looking at his campaign and going, yes, there's, there's some really good books there. And he fit it. And, and the other thing too is um, like, yeah, we should just talk about your book a little bit. It's got a bit of a, like when we were talking like like for just stuff it's like it's got a bit of a ya feel to it doesn't it yeah it does and that's something because you can really gauge your audience when you see who comes to the table and who gets excited about what they're reading and i've seen that 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 kind of 18 to 34 women they'll come up and they are passionate about certain characters they're telling me, okay, I want to cosplay as this character or that character. And it, it has that. And it's funny because if when I had released the book, if you would ask me who would it appeal to, automatically I just think, all right, the standard, you know, comic nerd stereotype that you have. That, you know, the guy who reads, you know, the giant stack of books and has the massive polis, he's going to be the one that wants it. But when the people approach your table, not just the ones that buy the book, but the ones that come back because they want to talk more about it because they're so excited about what they read. That seems to be, like you said, that that YA audience, which I would have never looked at that as, okay, that's going to be my demographic. But you really don't know until you actually go out there into the real world and sell the book to people in front of you. And then they're going to give you that feedback. They're going to come back. A lot of them will buy an issue one and they're like, oh my gosh, I read it. I need more. I want to read the rest of this now and you just you look who's the who are the ones that come back over and over again and yeah it's that like you said it's that ya audience so edward davis young adult comic book creator Not what's that bad. edward davis young adult comic book creator yeah even though it's 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 got i mean like you were saying because we talked about this a little bit before i said oh well it's got too much blood it's got too much profanity but you're like well look at all these other books i mean the hunger games there's plenty of violence in that you know all these titles have it they're just they're not comic books they're they're selling it in a different way and they could easily have turned the hunger games into an r-rated franchise but made it pg-13 instead so it's it's an interesting thought that you put in my head when we were talking about it because like I said you I have the preconceived notion of who is my market going to be and generally the market that I would have envisioned to start with are a lot of the people that are not purchasing the book at the table or if they are they're not coming back to sing its praises the next day yeah exactly and this is it there's nothing and by the way and when you find your groove and your niche the challenge then is just to embrace it you found it yeah right and and i mean immortal era is 
your Hunger Games or your Harry yeah. Potter or your uh, Cinder or whatever book um, that's big in YA that you that that you admire. And you know what? That's not a terrible thing. No. An audience, you can never complain. If you have an audience, then you have to embrace them. Exactly. Exactly. And certain places you're going to go, you're the, the audience that you think that, that is becoming a stronger audience, they may not show up. Like you go to, I'm doing a horror convention in October. I'm not going to see a lot of those faces. You get a lot of those more stereotypical faces that you would imagine reading the comic book. And you've got to be ready to sell to whoever's in the room because you can only sell to the people that are actually attending. But you might be I guess that's true. It's like you think you think one thing and then you look around and you see a completely different thing. Well, well okay, take a look at Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, how often is she written like a mad woman, like in horror? Yeah. Fits. Children's fairy tale. Fits. Yeah. They're not they, they use the same instruments, they just do it a little differently that's all true that's, yeah right right so i mean you might find like so you might find that the 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 audience there might be more into wednesday adams than the hunger games but true but wednesday adams is still kind of YA at heart yeah in the end yeah and that's yeah and that's that's the thing when i do the next few cons that i have coming up i'm really gonna look at that and see i'm gonna take actual notes like okay these are the people i'm trying to and cater the pitch to the person that's coming to the table because that's something i always try to do you see a couple i sell the family aspects of my book and you know you can always see the way unless you see a little kid coming up and you're like okay that's you know seven or eight year old i'll get you a little bit later because this book's not for you that's fair and that's totally fair right and um I say it like this because I, I, I want you to like, um, how do I put this? I think that I think the one thing I, I'll just say here is, I mean, have no preconceived notions of who's going to be at the, your shows either, right? See yeah. what audience just shows up and, yeah. and, and work with it. And if you find it's the same people that like your book, well, you have your people. You must embrace yeah. them. And that's, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what I see is, you know, a lot of, one thing I see is a lot of repeat customers. They come, they do multiple shows in SoCal. And if there's something new on my table, they're going to buy that something new. Yeah. So that's one of those amazing feelings where they're like, they just come up and go, okay, I need whatever you have that I don't already own. So exactly. when you so, get those, those people that just, they want your product, whatever it may be, and they're going to keep buying it. If you keep putting things out, they'll keep buying. So then, Edward Davis, I guess I will, as we come to the end of this interview, I got to ask this question. Like, yes. Do you still struggle with feeling like a professional? Because you got a fan base. You have eight books under your name. You yes. know, you've, you've figured out your, who your audience is, right? And, 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 and people are hungering for your books. I don't know about you, but I think that makes you a professional. I think so. And see, I like when you use logic to, to deflect my, my emotion, because logic <laughs> always beats emotion. And in emotion, you're, you're always, you're all, like I said, you're always the imposter in the room, at least in my brain. There's plenty of people that aren't, that don't follow that same philosophy, but they're like, let me strike that down that whole thought in your head with some logical arguments that are all true. And you're like, you know what, when you put it that way, 
I have no argument against that. And you're right. Yeah, I'm a professional. Edward Davis, motherfucking professional. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you got it. Like, yeah, dude, never take for granted how far you've come. Like I said, and we'll see how far you go. And either way, yeah. right? Either way, whether it's this series, the next series, or whatever it is, like, you're going to keep going and you're going to keep growing. Mm -hmm. So I think we probably should just do the, the official. So you're at issue eight. So yes. you're at issue eight. So what's the pitch? What is the pitch? All right. So my series, the pitch of the story is it's a post-apocalyptic world, 200 years in the future, where everyone has mysteriously become immortal. But with immortality, they don't gain powers or abilities. They continue to age. They can still get sick. They can still feel pain. There's characters in my story who have lost limbs. One of my characters lost his entire body and he's just a decapitated head. So it centers on five individuals who are forced to live underground. They're out looking for relics that would explain why people became immortal because for them, the ultimate goal is to restore the natural life cycle and to save humanity by killing them. Okay, and there you go, folks. And that is the story. The eighth Kickstarter is currently on. The link is on the comment section. I at least I wish I could highlight it. Unfortunately, um, I'm on Zoom and Zoom and Twitch just they 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 want to fight more. I mean, they get along better now than they used to. But at least mm. you know. But it is what it is. So 19 more days. I'll I'll make sure that before the uh, episode runs like your time runs out, that this will air as a as, um, on the audio. I can talk to the boss. I know him. He's a bit of a prick sometimes, but I can usually get him to cooperate about stuff like that. Um, how can people find you besides the Kickstarter? How would how would you like them to reach you? Um, under so on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you search Finish Line Comics, you'll find me there. I do have a website. It's finishlinecomics.com. And if you're impatient and you just want the trade right now, you can go there, head to my web store, and get it shipped right away. So. That's that's where you can find me. I I have a TikTok. I never use it. So the Instagram is my biggest posting platform. And that's where you can get sneak peeks of new art. I've already put the first couple pictures of the new series. So that's your place to go and find out everything going on in the universe of for, with Finish Line Comics. Alrighty. So as I told Edward, I'm, I'm going to tell you all, the podcast is becoming a travel show, and I've already started. I have currently seven episodes of the new show you can actually pay for. Five bucks a month, you can actually watch them as they are. They're still like concepts that they are starting to air on YouTube this week. The patreon.com slash podcast if you want to support what I'm doing. Outside of that, folks... Um, you can find me wherever you can find me. I got a busy two more. I got two more amazing uh, podcasts this week. Uh, Rihanna Lotz is my guest tomorrow. She uh, runs Mirror World Publishing. Wednesday is Winston Pie. Definitely take a look at those. And then next week, I break a thousand episodes, folks. It's going to be a big wild wow. one. I know, I know. You're nine ninety five, Mister Ed. I mean, that's that's where you're, that's where that's we're amazing. At. Yeah. So for everybody watching, everybody listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you guys next time. Hold on a second here. Let's hit the magic button. Just Joshing is turning 1,000. And what is next in store for the show? The truth is, it's already happening.
I've been recording shows since the start of the year in preparation of me going on the road. You can watch and listen to them now. They are available on my Patreon channel for the price of $5 US. Not only will you get to see these shows months in advance, but you can also help me when I take this show on the road. Click on the Patreon link for more details. Josh. Josh.